This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. You guys are already alert and awake. Yes, I like that. Can we turn up the house lights just a tad? I want to be able to see the people here. Awesome people. Full of faith this morning. That's what I like to see. That's what I like to see. Well, um, today I have the privilege to be able to continue the series that we've been on. We're talking about values. Right here at OC, we've been valuing a couple of things. Uh, Pastor Adam and Bill, they've been talking about presence of God, right, in the values, generosity of God, and how we could be generous. And then Pastor Bill, just two weeks ago, last week and the week before, he talked about family. And what was the last one? Do you guys remember? What's that? God is a good father. You believe that? He's an awesome God that we serve. So we want to keep talking about our mission and our vision so that not only we just make these statements that it becomes a lifestyle. When we talk about it, it becomes a lifestyle. We're encouraged and we provoke to, to live this out. Not just make it a statement, but make it a lifestyle. Now, as you know, we've been stating the statement, right? Collectively, every week, right? Correct? All right. Uh, every week, we're just saying it. We're making that statement and we're saying it out loud. So... I want to do something different this morning. Rather than me stating it, I want you guys to recite it yourself. And I did that uh, with the video last week, so check it out. Hey, what's up, guys? Can I get your time for a second? All right. She, she's being camera shy. Okay, we won't mention your name because we're not here to embarrass you. But you were just in the service. Pastor Bill just mentioned about our mission and vision. Did you happen to memorize that? Uh, no. Anything that you probably can remember? Well, that it's open to different cultures, ages, races, and that it is built um, to empower the kingdom. Yeah, that's good paraphrasion. Is that a word, paraphrasion? Hey, I'm Filipino. I make up my own words. Hey, I like it. Pastor Bill said that he was going to knock on doors next week, right? To do what? Oh, the values. Okay, so can you... Mm-mm. The mission and values. Absolutely. So can you recite what we just recited in there about an hour and a half ago? Oh, no way. But I know it's about we're a cultural church and the values of being world changers. You believe that? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Hey, look at this. I am taller than you. Oh, no, don't step up. Don't step up. Come on. All right. Remember that Bill was going to knock on your door. Knock on doors. I won't answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you remember it, sir? 
um, to make disciples and to uh, change the world. Sporting out is LSU. Uh huh. Hey, don't you know that you live in a Buckeye country? Yes, I do know that, but I'm still an LSU fan. All right, I, I'll, I'll respect that, but that's the wrong color. Just thought to let you know. All right, thank you so very much. We're bringing all cultures together to be a, to be a family. Culture, um, age, family. What's the last part? You are a child of God. What that? Yes, you are. If nothing else, that's important right there. Cool. That you are a child of God. And a world changer. You got it. So, yeah, you totally botched this whole thing up, but that's good. That's good. It's all right. You're on the phone. I don't want to interrupt you. Unless you want to be interrupted. Hang on, Aaron. So, Pastor Bill just mentioned our mission, our vision. Can you recite that? Do you know it? Oh, boy. <laughs> I know part of it is changing the world. Okay, so now you can recite it. Empowering people. Empowering disciples and extending God's kingdom. As a family of many races, cultures, and ages, we are growing together and becoming world changers for Christ. There you go. So next week, you'll be ready? Yes. Awesome. Thanks for the time. <laughs> You guys, you guys did well remembering some of that, but you notice that people remember the top and remember the bottom and just can't remember the middle part, right? But that's okay because those two are important because as we become disciples of Jesus, right, we, we are changed from the inside. And then as we are being changed from the inside, we go outside of what God is doing, right, so that we can change the world. God wants us to be world changers. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that exciting? Isn't it exciting to be a part of a church? Know that there's something that you're shooting for. Right? We're just not here as a country club. Come in here, we check in, and then we check out. But know that we can come in here and know that there's a mission that God has given each and every one of us. Right? There's a purpose. That God has a will that we need to walk out. So as we are being empowered, we are also being called to extend the kingdom of God, to be the light. Now, if we're going to be a world changer, we need to think about being united as one, right? We need to do that. Today, we're going to talk about the church is the model for unity. I want to say it again. Today, I want to cover and discuss and talk about the church being the model for unity. We're going to cover a couple of scriptures talking about that. As you know, that we live in a world and a society today that is, and the culture today that is totally divided, right? It is an epidemic that is going on globally, right? What's going on in the world today? I mean... We have a part in changing that. We absolutely have a part in doing that. The day's culture and society divides us in so many ways in the area of religion, social class, race, gender, and politics. Now, division naturally happens because everyone has their own rights. Correct? This country that we love and live in, we have many rights. And we give our thoughts and we give our perspective, right? And this little unit that we have in the palm of our hands, 
right? We just type in our perspective and our thoughts. And then we hit that sand. And once we hit it, it goes out into the world. And all of a sudden, we're part of that division. Dividing the world. And that's why God wants to make sure that his church is unified as one. There are many desperate people that are looking for answers. And I think the answers can be found not only in Jesus, but in the church. But why should people come to the church where there's no unity? Why should they come if they don't see any difference at all? When they see the world in chaos, disunified, and then looks at the church, ununified as well. They need to see the church unified, coming together as a body of Christ. Giving glory to God and seeing people change. And the church individually, collectively, being world changer for the kingdom of God. Amen? The church is and must become the model for unity. Two weeks ago, we were able to see that when we paraded all of these different cultures, right, on cultural day. Wasn't that awesome? That was so cool. I remember being down here. I was video uh, shooting it. And I could just remember looking at my screen. I thought, wow, this is the beauty of the church. All different nationalities culminating into one. What a powerful, powerful picture of a unified diversity in the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Father, I ask for your grace this morning. Lord, we ask for your presence to continue that's been here all morning long. Would you do this for me? Or would you do this for him? Put your hand on your heart. Because I believe this issue is going to pierce some of our hearts here. God wants to change our hearts in this particular area of unity. And so even now, Father, will you just unify our hearts together so that we can collectively hear and see what you're doing here at Oasis City Church. And would you just captivate us with your words as we're being captivated with your presence. And so, Father, we thank you. We look to you this morning to change our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, there are several things that is so close to God's heart when it comes to unity. Now, many of you... Obviously, you've come from different background, uh, even, you know, different church group, however you want to call that. And you're here now, you found Oasis City Church because God calls you here. But many people, when you come, including you, including me, when you go seek, seek out a church to be a part, a part of, um, we, we have questions, right? We have desires in our hearts, so therefore it formulates a questions. And so there are four particular components in the church that I believe that are really important in people's heart when they're seeking out a church. And one, and they're not in particular order. One is in the youth department. They hit my area. And they said, how is the youth? What is God doing with the young people today? I want to know because I got teenagers. Then the other one is uh, children's ministry. How are the little ones in the church? Are they being brought up the right way? Right? Then they ask about worship. How is worship? Is it, is it dynamic? 
Is it too loud? Is it not loud enough? Whatever it means. Then the last one, which is very important. And that is, how is preaching? Is preaching, are they preaching from the very word of God? Or is it a guy or a girl up there just kind of giving their opinion? And those are good, valid questions that people ask. But one question that people don't ask is the whole thing of unity. No one walks in the door of the church while they're searching for one and asks, Hey, how's the unity of this church? Have any, any of you guys asked that question yourself? I know I haven't. And why is that? Well, because it is a given. Well, let me correct that. Yes, it's a given. It should be a given. Unfortunately, in so many cases, it's not a given. That's why it's in the scripture. That's why, I spoke, uh, that's why Paul spoke to the church of the Corinth. Talking about unity. Because the church was facing a, a division. People don't ask about that. People should ask about that. They want to know other things other than that whole area of unity. Well, let's cover a couple of those things. So the first one is this. That's in God's heart when it comes to unity. And that is in the area of reconciliation. See, God the Father wants us to be reconciled with Him first. And then as we are reconciled with Him, we learn of the truth. And the truth sets us free. And it changes us. And then he wants to use us to reconcile others to him. You believe that? He wants to use us. Paul talks about this in uh, 2 Corinthians. He talked about being reconciled with God. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 20. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says this. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. And give us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you. On Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to Him. So we're we're called to be world changers. How do we do that? We get reconciled with God and allowing God to use us to reconcile people. That's in God's heart. Listen, if people's hearts aren't reconciled in the body of Christ, how can we expect others to want to be reconciled with God? It just doesn't work that way. It's like practice what you preach, right? Scripture says that we have the authority in Christ. Think about that. Let that sink in. We have the authority in Christ to help reconcile people to God. Authority. We have the authority that God has given us. We're not just walking around aimlessly. We're walking around with authority. And listen, we as the people of God, we need to take that authority by the grace of God. We need to take that authority And use it to glorify him. To see many others come to know him. And reconcile people to God. With that authority that's given from heaven above. What does that make us? Makes us an ambassador for Christ. We're an ambassador of the anointed one. Who carried the message of Christ to the world. This is what it means to be an ambassador. 
To be an ambassador for Christ means that we are agents of the highest rank who represent Jesus and are authorized to speak on his behalf. That means we're the voice of the heaven to earth. Power that we gain from Jesus with his name. God called us to be world changers individually and collectively as a church body. You know, as, as I was preparing for this, the Lord just <clears throat> the Lord just wanted me to just encourage a lot of you out there that are already being world changers. And I know some of you personally, and I'm provoked by that. You guys are out there doing it. I mean, the Chuas, you guys know the Chuas, right? Everybody knows the Chuas. They're out there doing it. They are just doing it. And I'm just provoked by that. They're not afraid. They're just doing it because they know they have the power and the authority of Jesus in them. Pastor Bill talked about diversity requiring unity. God created us all uniquely, as it says in Psalms 139. But listen, even though he created us and knitted us intricately in our mother's womb, differently, but yet all together in unity. He wants us to walk in unity. That sounds, think about that. That, that could sound complicated, doesn't it? How do you get all these people together and, and try to just have them all in one? Yes, it is difficult. But let me tell you, with God's help, it is very much possible. I don't know if you've been noticing, but we, we as a church, we're being, one thing that I appreciate when I came here is that we're not just saying it, but we're being deliberate. We're being intentional. When we say we are multicultural, then we put kids up here. When we say we're multicultural, we put kids of different background, different age group, different nationalities. We're being intentional. Why is that? Because we don't want these to be statements. We want it to be a lifestyle in the house of God that exists at Oasis City Church. He talked, Pastor Bill talked about culture and race. Now, I won't get into that. I don't have time to go into all of that. I won't hit it. But I'll just say this, that Oasis City Church, we recognize and we value and we do honor the different cultures and races that makes up this family. We're truly unique. We really are. And these are the words from people from outside. And I humbly say this. When I, when I see visitors and when I see speakers from all over the world in different countries, um, they tell us, man, you guys have something unique here. And could I just say, by the grace of God, we do. But could I say, could I just encourage us to let us recognize that and let's preserve that. Because what God is doing here, he intended it to happen a long, long, long time ago. Before we even became into existence. True story. So, I don't know if you know, um, but my wife and I, Pam, uh, we adopted our third child, Marcus. You guys are probably wondering. Uh, yeah, I was wondering because he's like way, way taller than you, right? But we adopted him uh, years ago. And we went through this rigorous process. And one of the things was we had to watch a video. Long story short, in this video, there was a, at that time, he was, this individual was in his 20s. And you could just see anger 
you could just sense anger in him and he's talking because he was talking about his experience. See, in this video, it was to help us parents-to-be of an adopted child from another culture. Well, what we'd learn from that individual, he was deprived of his culture. Growing up, this little kid growing up, he was made fun of, and he would go home and talk about it with his parents. And then he would say and ask his parents, Mom, Dad, why am I different from you? And the response from the parents, you're not different. You're the same as us. Now, wait a second. Two different cultures, two different skin color. How can you deny that? And that child who was at the time, uh, now was in, in his 20s when he was sharing that in his video, realized that, man, he was deprived. So therefore, growing up, he was confused. He didn't understand what was going on. He felt misunderstood. He felt robbed of his identity. All because his parents were trying to Americanize them. All because they were concerned what society would think or do because he's of different ethnicity. Think about that. We as the body of Christ... Listen, we don't need to be Americanized. We need to be Christianized. Christianized meaning that Christians hold their values according to God's scripture. According to his teaching. We look to the word of God and tells us who we are, what we can and cannot do. Not society. It is the word of God that we become more and more like him into his image to become world changers. Ephesians 1.5 says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. We are adopted into the kingdom through Christ. That makes us what? One big family, right? The young man, in my opinion, just felt dishonored, he felt deprived of his heritage. We as a body of Christ, we have to value and honor what God has given us and what he's called us to be a multicultural, multiracial, multigenerational church. If we don't, then we are depriving the world of what God intended the church to be. And we cannot deprive the world. God wants to display the beauty of his church. That is multifaceted, multicultural, multigenerational. He wants to display that as a model. Listen, I can't imagine being in an all Filipino church. Now, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. And many would argue with me. And that's okay. We're entitled of our opinion. But I will say this. From the scripture that I know of, I don't personally believe that there should be an all Chinese all Hispanic, all Filipino church. I don't believe that. I don't see it in scripture. God created all of those ethnicities, but he wants it all together in one place. Where's that place? In the kingdom of God. He wants it in the kingdom. He doesn't want to segregate just all the Filipinos. 
Listen, I can't imagine being in a Filipino church because we're all alike. We think the same. We walk the same. We're pretty much the same height. Most of them. Except my son. I don't know where he... I've never met his biological dad, but we're, we're all the same. Think about that. Right? God created us all different, but he wants us all in one house. In one house. I, I don't know about you, but I'm Filipino. I like my food like messy and, and very flavorful. All right? Like, I just, I don't like bland food. I won't mention which restaurant because I don't want to offend anybody out there. But, you know, some restaurants I just avoid because they're just bland food. Okay? I like salt and pepper. I like hot sauce. I don't care what kind of hot sauce it is. It could be curry. It could be tapatillo. It could be you name it. As long as it's hot, put it in there and I'm going to eat it. I love flavor. You know? Somebody's going there with the Tabasco. Don't forget Tabasco over here. Right? When I met, when I met Pamela, my wife, um, when we were dating and um, we were going out and I would try to like, you know, woo her. Go, you know, let's have a dinner. And she would get a salad to start with. And there's nothing in her salad. Even this day, she puts no dressing in her salad. And I said, honey, I'm paying for that. We could go, I could go outside, grab some grass, put it on your, on your plate, and we're good. I'm saving me $6 for that. All right? However, 20, 22 years. 26. Yeah. <laughs> All right, close enough, close enough. I was only four digits. We're not talking 10, you guys. We're not talking 10. I mean, make it sound like there's this big gap I just said. So, so anyway, get off that, get off that. Um, so here we are. Now I'm seeing her little by little for over these years until now. She loves Chinese food. She loves Mexican food. She loves Italian food. You know, I mean, all of that. And I, and I, in fact, we talked about it not too long ago. I said, honey, you're, you're, man, you've changed. Why is that? Because she married me. <laughs> Nothing. Um, no, I just, no, no, she couldn't help being around me. Right? I love all of these things in my food. And finally, when I said, honey, you got to try stuff. You got to. And then when I convinced her and then she notices it was good. And she's like, wow, okay, I'm missing out. That's the same thing with the church. People are missing out outside of the church when they're not seeing unity in the body of Christ. True unity requires equality in the diversity of race, gender, age, culture, and socioeconomic status. Here's what God means in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. God sees us all as equals. Equals. We need to recognize that. That we are all equal. The Father sees us. True confession. Years ago when, when, you know, in our marriage, I was so young in the mind. Man, God had to really shift my paradigm. I was so prideful. I was the man of the house. I'm the husband. 
And I was making that known to my wife. And little by little, year by year, God had to change me. God had to shift my paradigm. But most of all, he had to change my pride. Because I was thinking, I'm the man. I'm the husband. I make all the decisions. God says, yeah, you partially. The other half is the better half. Is the best half. Both of you combined makes into one great marriage. And we had to learn that. You know, over the years, you know, new in, our, new in ministry, we were competing with each other. Instead of just, you know, just seeing our different gifts and our calling. It took us a while to get there, but we got there. And when we saw it, when God changed our hearts, we were able to just thrust each other into whatever God called us to do individually. But collectively, we were unified and said, man... What is this marriage about? It isn't about me and it isn't about her. It's about the kingdom of God. That's what this marriage is about. And when we realized and recognized that, God just began to open doors for us. God sees us all as equal. We need to recognize that. Galatians 3.28 counteracts our society's view of us. Society for years has classified people based on their financial income. Based on, based on, you know, the classes that they put us in. And you know what I'm talking about, right? The upper class, the middle class, and the lower class. Sounds so degrading. But in God's kingdom, it's the opposite. Proverbs 22.2 says this, The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. The Lord made them both. To God, He values you as a person that He created. He doesn't value you because of your money, because of how much you got, how much you owe. Not at all. Listen, if you're looking for value, if you want to have classification, listen, know and understand that God created you. God created you for a purpose and a plan. And so therefore, that makes you automatically put you in that upper class category according to God's perspective, according to his kingdom. As human beings, you know, we can lose sight Of the fact that we are sons and daughters. Let's not kid ourselves. We do. We lose sight of that. But we cannot identify who we are in Christ based on social classes. And when we do, we place value and worth on someone based on their income. How much they have. All of this is temporary. You know, we're at OC... We, we walk in the favor of God. We do. We walk in it because we know, we believe that, like Pastor Bill said, God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's an awesome Father. He provides for all of our needs. We walk in favor. And we need to, those that are wealthy, you know, we need to honor them. Because God is using them for the kingdom. For the kingdom of God. Society puts these people in the upper class. Those that are wealthy. They see them as, as very wealthy. But don't get me wrong. I have friends even now that are very wealthy. They're well off financially. You know why? Because they give to the kingdom of God. 
They sow into the kingdom of God. And the more they sow, the more they give, the more God blesses them. So you know what happens? They get into this awesome, vicious cycle of the blessing of God. Because God cannot be outgive. God cannot be outgive. You give more to God, he gives back to you. What about the people that the society puts in what we call middle class, where people just buy into that lie of, yeah, okay, I'm middle class. I make close to six figure, but I can make more, right? But God says, hey, I can give you more that will satisfy you other than money. What about people that bought into that lie of being in that and categorize himself in that lower class? And have this like poverty mentality. God says, listen, you're not poor. If you look at Philippians 4.19, it says that God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. Being rich has nothing to do with money. I know and I've met people throughout the years of ministry who are wealthy. But they're not happy in their marriage In their family, with their children. Why is that? Because they're not walking in obedience of the the purposes of God for their lives. They just lost sight of who they are. So being rich has nothing to do with that. With God being our provider in all that we need, we shouldn't have any of this poverty mentality in our mind. And even in our hearts. Listen, money is not an issue with God. When God provides, he's not even looking at dollar amount. Because you know why? He's a creative God. I have seen too many people, including me, that have gotten blessed by God. Not by money, but by other things. Something like if my car breaks down, somehow somebody find out, and all of a sudden the mechanic calls me. Hey, what's wrong with your car? Oh, I can fix that. Awesome. Let's make an appointment. Hey, fix. How much do I owe you? Nothing. What? No, 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 no. I want to pay you for your service. Absolutely. But I don't need that. My intention was to serve you and to bless you. I'm speaking for myself and for many others in this church. So many people that are talented, that allows themselves to be used by God to bless others. See, so God doesn't look at money. He's so creative. He'll provide for your need. And you know what? Money is probably the last thing in his mind. You know why? Because he knows that money can bring sorrow as well. Right? It brings sorrow. According to 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Listen, if you can't see that you are rich in the kingdom, I want to encourage you with one thing, and I'm not going to just encourage you um, with this without me living it, without me doing it, because I've done it myself and I continue to do it. I want to encourage you, if you cannot see how rich you are, how much you have, go on a missions trip. Go on a missions trip. About three years ago, I had the privilege to go to uh, Philippines, and here's what I saw. I was able to document this trip. Look at the surroundings that I was in. This picture can't justify 
this stench, this smell that was around me, that people live in. This is their environment. This is what they live in every single day. And the children, where they play, this is their backyard. Trash all over the place. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking about my kids. Wow. You know, we got to forget the park. Our backyard is clean. And then I realized by looking at this image, I purposely took a picture of them. These kids' eyes, you can see it in their eyes. You see happiness and joy. Why is that? Because they know that's all they have. These kids were joyful. They were happy. Because it's all what they have. When God gives us something, sometimes we're not happy with it. And God said, I have more to give than you could ever imagine. The third thing that God wants to convey to us regards to unity is in the whole area of gender equality. Now, it's not talking about gender confusion here. It's about leveling the playing field. It's about God leveling the playing field. God has leveled the playing field and there isn't an office or gifting reserved only for men. They're also for women. Listen, I have received incredible, powerful ministry time from ladies in the past. I received teachings from women of God that has changed the course of my life. Not from a woman's perspective, but from the biblical perspective as they were preaching the word of God. God gives gifts according to his purpose and how he sees it fit, both genders. Jesus clearly was one who broke the social boxes by reaching out to women, by going after them, by including them in a time where they were not included. In a time where they were discriminated. In a time where, when they were devalued. Genesis says that God has created male and female. Genesis 1.26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish, over the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. 127 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The word man is Adam. Okay? Which in Hebrew meaning mankind or human beings. The word, the word proclaims mankind both to male and female. So in the image and likeness of God, image means representative, figure. That's what that means. So man and woman were the beginning place for God to reveal himself. Man and woman he took to reveal himself. He made to reveal himself. An image of who he is. We believe in women ministry here at the Oasis City Church. We do. We affirm women. Women, period. And women in ministry. We affirm them. We encourage them to go for all the things that God has.
has for them. Pam and I, you know, we walked this out, like I said earlier, and I am so thankful that it was also by the grace of God that we had people in the church that helped us through that. I had men um, spoke into my life. You know, he spoke into my life and, and, and corrected me. And I had to learn what this all means of being a husband to my wife and what unity in the marriage look like. Lastly, I want to talk about generational diversity when it comes to unity. God's heart is in this. What does generational diversity mean? It means treating equally those of different ages and those who simply have different personalities from us. He wants us to value each generation and the strengths each one carries. Children, what do they carry? They carry innocence. They carry purity. We need to draw from that. When God talks about faith, he really talks about, you know, having like the childlike faith. Right? Why is that? Because we as adults, you know, we know it all. When God reveals something to us and he wants us to do it, right, we have so many questions. What? How? Who? You know, but a child, just like God says, son, daughter, I want you to do this. Yes, Lord. But we as adults, we have a lot of questions. We complicate things. Children don't complicate things. They just do it. That's why he refers to childlike faith and to look at children the way he sees them. Teens and youth, they carry the passion and excitement. They value relationship. They have this energy and excitement. Adults and parents, they bring work and determination to build and train and create things for life. We can draw from them. Grandparents, you guys have a lot of wisdom and authority because of life experience and perseverance. Thank you for persevering in the faith. If you're a grandparent here for a second, I want you to stand up for a moment. If you're a grandparent here, I want you to stand up. We just want to honor you for your perseverance in the faith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to honor you with your perseverance in your faith. When each generation can look to the strengths of the other and draw and learn from one another. We can become this richer and stronger community that God intends us to be. This is why it's important that all generations can worship together. We believe in worshiping together. We have, we purposely have like family worship time. We're all from the little ones all the way up to grandparents because we want to experience together collectively all of what God has for us as we worship Him. Together In Psalms 145.4, it says, Generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Like I said earlier, we're intentional. We see teens up here on stage doing worship. We see all ages up on stage. We see all different culture and background. Listen, when all generations worship together, it fosters two things. It fosters and it reflects the unity of Christ. 
We want to continue to foster that. We want to continue to foster unity in such a way that people can see the church as a model for unity. We've had prophetic people that came in our youth group um, this summer. I called the uh, prophetic team and the prayer team. And let me tell you, it was one of those proud moments in my life as a youth pastor at Oasis City Church. Because I looked at every teenagers and I saw them embracing the older generation. And they were receiving from the older generation. And I saw the older generation giving their life away to the young generation. That in itself is the kingdom of God. I want to speak to different groups of people before I close. And I want to encourage us. Because we need to continue to pursue all of what God has for us. All of everything that he intended Oasis City Church to be. To the older generation, can I just say this? Don't give up. Don't give up. There is more than you know. Don't give up. Don't have this mentality or heart of, hey, let the younger ones do it. I'm out of energy. Now, there's truth to that. Okay? But here's the truth. There's more in the tank that God has for you. There's a lot more. I read this article by Van Giesen. He wrote a book called Engaging the Generation about mentoring. And here's what he said. Connecting old and young across the generations presents valuable opportunities for mentoring within church. Millennials have a hunger and a deep desire to walk closely with older folks who are willing to love and affirm them. They're waiting for you. Those of you in that generation, the millennials... You know, they have a pretty not so good reputation. But we can believe in them and affirm them and encourage them. Can I tell you, um, when we transitioned to this church about two and a half years ago, I was for sure that I was done with youth. I was getting tired. I'll be honest with you. Keeping up with these guys. But God said, nope. You're not done. And I argued with God. And I remember in an interview with Pastor Bill. said, we have two needs. We have teens and video. And all I could think of was video, video, video. Now we have teens and video. Oh, good. You have video? No, we have teens and video. Oh, good. We have video. But God says, no, you're not done yet. And I am walking in that obedience. And what I find walking in that grace In that, as I obey him, he gives me supernatural strength. And he gives me that pleasure and that joy of Christ. I remember sitting down here when they were worshiping. And I just looked at the teens. They were worshiping. They were seeking God. They were pressing God. Pressing in on God. I remember, I just, I was overwhelmed by the joy of the Lord. And saying, this is what I called you in this season of your life. Now, I don't know when that season will end, 
But listen, that's not for me to find out right now. And in the same token, whatever season that God has you in, and when he puts you in that season, it's not for you to right away get in the season and then find out when it's going to end. Because he knows the timetable. We are walking in his will. And in his will, there is no timetable in that. If that makes sense. When I was in my 20s, I remember I had a desire to... I had a desire to be married and have family. So I was intentional. So I, I pursued this, this couple that have children. And I said, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to watch the kids for three hours. You guys go on a date. Have at it. Have fun. But when you come back, your kids will be put to sleep. But give me one hour. Talk to me about marriage. Talk to me about family. And I've learned a lot. I took notes. We can glean and learn from one another. Teens and young adults. You have more time than you think. So serve the body of Christ. Serve the body of Christ. Those that are in their 30s and 40s. We have a responsibility to mentor the young people. But on the same token, we can glean for the ones that are older than us. It goes both ways. God includes all ages from generation to generation. Enriching our lives by each other's perspective. Think about that. We can enrich. God wants to enrich our lives with all of different nationalities, different different walks of life. We can learn and glean from one another. We're not only called to be multiracial, we're also called to be a multi-generational church. We as a local church, we're committed. We're committed to be intentional. In all of these areas that I talk about. Because we don't want to foster generational, cultural, and racial disharmony. We want to foster harmony. Why don't you guys stand up? You know the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 20. You know it well. I won't have time to read, but you can go ahead and put it up there. But you're familiar with this scripture, right? It talks about the body. Even though it's one body, there's many parts, right? There's many parts. Each part does its own thing and it does its different things. And each part was created for a purpose. But yet, it's one body. And that's what God wants to put in our hearts today. Is that if we look around, see different ethnicity different culture yet come in a place like this and be united as one for one purpose one mind and one purpose all for the glory of God all for the kingdom of God that's what he's calling not just Oasis City Church but the church that he created on earth and we get to be a part of that and that's exciting we get to be a part of that 
and all the different giftings that God has placed in this body. He wants to put it all together. Utilize every single one of them to do one thing. And that is to glorify him and to advance his kingdom. When we all do our part collectively, walking together in unity, we gain a greater sense of kingdom living. We gain power and authority in Jesus. God intends for every person of every race and every culture, of every generation, and of both genders to walk in unity. While we value and appreciate diversity. That is the beauty of God's church. That is the beauty of his church. Amen? You believe that? You believe that? Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. If I could have the prayer team to come on. Come on down here for just a moment. Or the prayer teams. Quickly, quickly. Let's come on down here. There's a couple of things that the Lord was giving me. First of all, as you heard about reconciliation. As I was talking about that and we looked at scriptures. God wants to reconcile himself to you. And if that's you, and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you. You have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. Listen, if you're new here and you're here today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it is not at all coincidence that you came in here today. So if that's you, I just want everybody to just close your eyes, because this is not to embarrass anyone. But if that's you, you say, you know what, Jake... Um, something in my heart that is missing and I believe it could only be found in Jesus. He paid for my sins. He died on the cross for me and I want to give my life to him. If that's you, just raise your hand for a moment. I want to pray with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, I see. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's not coincidence that you walked in this door today. If nothing else... God wanted to spare your life today. And so here's what I'm going to do. Everybody can look at me right now. We're going to say this prayer together because we're talking unity. We're not going to let the people that doesn't know Jesus pray alone. We're going to pray together. We're going to usher them by the Spirit of God into the kingdom of God. So those of you, you know who you are. Several of you raised your hand. Thank you. Thank you. God saw that. Saw your heart. And we want to pray with you and know that in faith, as you pray this, the kingdom of heaven is yours and you'll be a part of this family. So why don't you just repeat this simple prayer with me and everybody does it at the same time in unity. Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself to me. I recognize that I'm a sinner apart from you. So I give myself, I give my heart to you. Forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me pray for you for a second. Amen, yeah. Let me pray for you for a second. Um, Church, just agree with me. Father, those that raised their hand, those that committed their lives to you today, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would change their life dramatically today. 
Jesus turned their life upside down. Thank you, good, good father. You showed your heart to them. And now you've called them into this family. So father, we receive them. We receive them as a family of God. Thank you. Thank you. And be with them. We bless their decision today, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to close. Yes. My challenge to us, including me, when I was preparing for this, I was looking at our mission and vision statement all week long, preparing for this. And I was challenged. Jake, do you just want to preach on this or do you want to walk it out? Do you want to make this part of your preaching or do you want to make it part of your life? I'm taking that challenge that this statement is not going to be just a statement. Rather, it's going to be a lifestyle. So my challenge to you is we take this statement. Take this statement and make it a lifestyle. Implement it to your life daily for his riches and glory. So we're going to close with this. Can you put it up there? Let's, let's recite this. As we're reciting it, make a commitment in the body of Christ. Let's do this. Empowering disciples and extending God's kingdom as a family of many races, cultures, and ages, we are growing together and becoming world changers through Christ. Amen? Let's take that. Let's give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Those of you that gave your life to Jesus, please see us at the Connections um, corner because we have something to give to you as far as the next step. Where do you go from here? And I want to personally uh, meet you. So for those of you, if you have any needs, whatever need, physical healing, emotional healing, whatever it may be, come on down to the front as we dismiss as these guys will be praying for you. So Father, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for speaking to us. Lord, even now, as we recited this statement, this vision and mission, Father, as we go out into this place, Lord, as you continue to change us, may you make us the world changer that you've intended us to be. So we give you honor and glory. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and have a great, great week and go Browns.